I'm Warren Berkeley with the Laurel Heights Church of Christ in McAllen, Texas, and we are continuing our studies through the book of Romans. And we are now in Romans chapter 13, and I'm going to read verses 8 through 14, and then we will study this passage. Owe no one anything except to love each other, for the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and any other commandment are summed up in this word, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. Besides this, you know the time that the hour has come for you to wake from sleep, for salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. The night is far gone, the day is at hand. So then let us cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the daytime, not in orgies and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and sensuality, not in quarreling and jealousy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. That's Romans 13, verses 8 through 14. In our previous study, we were talking about civil government that God instituted civil government to punish lawbreakers, to maintain public order, to promote the public good, and we made reference to 1 Peter 2, verses 13 through 17. We did not turn that study into a political discussion or an exchange of narratives that we hear commonly in the news. Our focus was on and should be on what God said about His sovereignty and our obligation to submit to the governing authorities. Let's talk about the concept of debt for a few minutes. Owe no one anything except to love each other, for the one who loves one another has fulfilled the law. I think when we think of debt, we think of house mortgages, car loans, charge accounts, lines of credit, and of course credit cards. In biblical times, they did not have exact equivalents of these modern financial tools, but there was the existence of loans and debt and payment, etc., in their economic culture. And the law of Moses was very specific, governing both the lender and the borrower. The lender could not take advantage, oppress the poor, or foreclose without warning. The borrower, some argue, had some protection under the law, but was required to pay the debt. Of course, in the New Testament, there is not a specific repetition of that Old Testament, Old Covenant law, but there are principles that remain. Pay your bills. Meet your obligations to the best of your ability. To leave obligations outstanding or simply ignore what you agreed to do is without excuse. 
But here's the main point. There is a debt that is never fully paid off. Love one another. Love each other. A Christian never gets to a place where this is paid off. Love one another is something within us that finds expression in our behavior toward people, how we think about them, how we treat them, because we are recipients of God's love and God's grace. John said we love because he first loved us. Paul said in Ephesians 5, we walk in love because God loved us. As long as God loves us and Christ loves us, we have this obligation, this debt, to love one another. It's ongoing. It is a debt that is never over, never fully paid, because it lives within us, God's people. I want to start at the end of verse 8 now and read into verse 9. It says, The one who loves another has fulfilled the law. For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and any other commandment are summed up in this word, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Uh, Paul shows here <coughs> everything God wrote into the law of Moses about human relations was based on love, love that predated the law of Moses, and love that has not been rescinded. These are moral imperatives that have always been true and will always be true. Adultery is forbidden. Respect human life. Respect the property of others. Honesty, not being covetous. Paul says, all of that was an expression of genuine love. It is, it is to be how we treat each other, how we treat people. That means, for example, committing adultery is not love. I cringe when someone has been caught in adultery and they try to justify their bad behavior by saying something like, we fell in love or love made us do it. It certainly wasn't love for the innocent spouse, and I believe not really love for the sexual partner, not in the sense love is defined by God and has always been defined by God. So everything in the law of Moses that pertained to human relations was based on this ongoing debt, love one another. Now, let me add something here. Paul is not in verses 8 and 9 taking his readers back under the old law as a covenant. Paul has already stated we are under the new law. What Paul is doing here is illustrating how omnipresent this love is that God requires of man. It is to be firmly fixed in our heart, it is genuine biblical love. It predates the law of Moses. It will find expression in everything you do and will show itself in our willing compliance with all of God's law. There are moral imperatives which are eternal, things that have always been right or wrong even before <coughs> the Ten Commandments and certainly today. 
Verse 10 takes us further into understanding this love uh, that has always been God's requirement with this statement, love does no harm to a neighbor. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. Sometimes we define biblical love with phrases something like this, placing the welfare of others over that of our own. And from time to time, we see vivid illustrations of that in the physical world. Some of you may have watched a video a few years ago in a horrible car-motorcycle accident. A motorcycle driver was trapped under a burning car. Witnesses who saw what had happened joined with others to lift that burning car off of the man and pull the man to safety. An incredible piece of video. And it illustrated what we're talking about to some degree here. People putting their lives at great risk to save somebody. Placing the welfare of others over that of our own. Well, Paul is teaching us about that here. And one way to teach us that is from a negative standpoint. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. With biblical love internalized, we seek what is best. We seek the highest good of our neighbor. English Standard Version, love does no wrong to a neighbor. So, if we catch ourselves doing wrong to others, that's not the activity of love. Paul therefore states again, love is the fulfillment of the law. Let me take us now to 11 through 14. Romans 13, 11 through 14. Besides this, you know the time that the hour has come for you to wake from sleep. For salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. The night is far gone, the day is at hand. So then let us cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the daytime, not in orgies and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and sensuality, not in quarreling and jealousy. But put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. Very challenging and specific instruction, valuable reading for Christians here. What can happen in the absence of good discipline and consistent faithfulness is after obeying the gospel, we become lax and sluggish, and gradually the world claims us. Temptation is not resisted. And what we need then is a wake-up call. We need for something to happen to get our attention. Or we need someone to approach us and offer us the rebuke that can cause us to change and get back on course. The sluggish person needs to be open to being awakened. And this turns out in English as a wake-up call. Besides this, you know the time that the hour has come for you to wake from sleep, for salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. Everything in the Bible about one's relationship with the Lord is urgent. It is about now. The judgment day is one day closer every day. Procrastination and gradual decay 
can overtake us. This is a wake-up call. I'm afraid all of us has, have observed people who need a wake-up call, and perhaps we should be more active in providing what people need, or it may be that we need a wake-up call. The night is far gone, and the day is at hand. So then let us cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the daytime, not in orgies and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and sensuality, not in quarreling and jealousy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. I'm going to come back in just a moment and talk more about all of that. So, if you obeyed the gospel, became a Christian, then later became sluggish and out of duty, back into the world. The wake-up call here, once accepted by the apostate, ought to result in repentance, casting off the works of darkness and putting on the armor of light. So, the idea is not just to wake up, but to wake up and change, and to get back out of darkness and into the light. And it's urgent. Paul says, do this. And he says, walk properly. The life of a Christian is often described in terms of mobility, walking. Walk properly. Walking in the light, as John says in 1 John 1 verse 7. And attached to this, there are several prohibitions. We're going to take up each of them in order briefly. Not in revelry. Revelry is that carnal interest in fun that becomes obsessive, that creates atmosphere for the other behaviors in the list. In the English Standard Version, the word is orgies. Not in drunkenness. Paul often wrote in favor of sobriety and against intoxication. He said one time, you're going to be filled with something, be filled with the Spirit. Alcohol has become an accepted adult beverage in our society and we all know the destruction of it. The Christian must be sober. Not in sexual immorality. This word means to assume you have permission or license to do whatever you feel like doing. Lasciviousness. Back in the 60s and 70s, if it feels good, do it. And is there any doubt? Those ideas that became popular back then have reaped a whirlwind of destruction in our time. Not in sensuality. This has to do with appetite, your senses. If it feels good, tastes good, sounds good, the senses, the appetite become the informal rule of living for the unruly. Worldly living. Not in quarreling and jealousy, strife. No matter who is hurt, no matter how God's will is slighted, loving to fight and tear people apart, Paul spoke often against that kind of misbehavior. Not in jealousy. Some translations have envy. Jealousy, envy, and covetousness are often connected, having to do with an attitude of wanting what others have or denying others what they have because you don't have it. Such attitudes are selfish and immature and have negative spiritual value. 
Paul says to Christians, to whatever degree you participate in any of these attitudes and behaviors, put them off and put on Christ and make no provision for the flesh. Wake up, live right, put on Christ. Thank you for listening to this video.